This week's parsha is Parsha's Toldos. The Torah tells us at the beginning of the parsha that Rivka conceived, and then while she was going through her pregnancy, she experienced some very major pains inside of her. The pasuk says, These Bonim, she didn't know that she had twins, but she thought she had one baby inside of her. But these two children that we know existed inside, they were actually struggling with each other. And as a result of all of the kicking that she was experiencing, she says, If so, why am I? And in order to find out, to determine what exactly was going on, so she went to seek guidance from Hashem. Let's learn the Rashi's together on this Pasuk. Vayisraitzitzu Rashi says, Lashon Ritza. The Sharish of the word Vayisraitzitzu means to run. Kishahaisa Iveris. When she was passing by the base medrash of shame and ever, Yaakov in her stomach started kicking and moving and struggling to get out. He wanted to go out to the yeshiva of shame and and when she was passing by the doorways of the Avedezarah, Esav would go and start struggling to get out. That's by Yisraitetzu. There was a lot of struggles and kicking and, and moving about inside of Rivka Imenu's um, stomach. So then she says, if so, Rashi explains... Godol Tsar Ibar, if the pain of labor is so intense, why would I go and desire so badly this pregnancy? It's not for me pregnancy, it's so painful. Vatelech Lidrash, so she went out to inquire Lebase Medrash Weber. Where did she go to find out what the what was going on inside? She went to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. That's where she went. Vatelach Lidrash Hashem. She went to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. Sheyagidla says Rashi Matei B'Seifa. What's going to be over here? She wanted to know what's going to happen. Where did she go? She went to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. The Gra says, explaining Rashi, explaining this medrash about how. Rashi knew that Vatelach Lidrus Hashem, that she went to the Yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. Why didn't she? She was a Nabiya. Why didn't she? Why can't we just explain the Pasuk of that she had a, a meeting with the Rabbi Shalom and asked him what's going on here? And in, in the end, the Pasuk anyway says that Hashem told her. So who says that she went to Shem Ve'ever? Zok the Graf. Es Hashem, Vatelach Lidrus, Es Hashem, that term, Es Hashem is a remez to another time that it says in the Torah, Es Hashem. Es Hashem Elekecha Tira. You should fear Hashem. And Rabbi Akiva famously darshans, Es 
When it says that you should fear Hashem, the word S, Hashem Lekechatira, is marbin. Not only should you fear Hashem, but you should also fear Tamidechachamim, who are the ambassadors of Hashem in this world. So, Vatelech Lidrash, S Hashem, says the Gra, that's the way that Chazal knew that she went to rabbis to find out what's going on over here. S Hashem. She went to Tamid Chachamim to find out exactly what is going on inside of her. She was very confused. The question that we should all have when we learn this is that imagine if uh, Rebetzin Kanievsky, Zechreina Levracha, she had a, a certain Shiloh that she had to ask. And then she goes to a local rabbi. She goes to a, a, a rav in, in the city. She goes to maybe Rosh Hashiva in, uh, in Yerushalayim. Wouldn't that be a little bit odd for Ebitzin Kanievsky to do that? I mean, her husband is Reb Chaim Kanievsky. Her father-in-law is Reb Yashiv. So why would she go to Rabbi Cohen in, uh, you know, in, in, in Haifa if she has her husband to ask a shayla to... She has her father-in-law to ask a shayla to. She has big people. She has her father to ask a shayla to. She has big people. Her father was Rebbe Yashiv. I don't know if I said her father, father-in-law. Her father is Rebbe Yashiv. She has the biggest kedem. Her father-in-law was the stifler. She has plenty of people locally to ask. You wouldn't think that she would need to run to some other place. And yet we find that instead of going to ask this question about what's going on inside me, why do I have all this pain? Why is, why is it that when I pass by um, a yeshiva, Yaakov starts, somebody in my stomach starts kicking, and then when I pass by a church, somebody in my stomach starts kicking. Is this one person? Is it two people? Okay, I need Ruach HaKaitz, I need Das over here. She has Avram Avino, her father-in-law. She has her husband, Yitzchak. These are no small rabbis. These are the greatest the greatest gedolim that Kali Yisrael has ever had. Why is she going to Yeshiva Shem Be'ever, Lidr Hashem? She wants, as Hashem Lekech Apir, Rabbis Midrachachamim, she wants the Das Torah of Hamachacham. Why is she ignoring the fact that she's married to Yitzchak? She's ignoring the fact that she's a daughter-in-law to Avram Avinu. Why is she leaving them and going to the Yeshiva of Shem Be'ever of all places, to find out what the das what the das is over here. This is not my question. This is the Maral's question, Gorarie. This is the Sefsechachamim's question on Rashi, and many other people ask this question. I saw this year an amazing pshato from the Lekach Das, which is, as you know, my favorite uh, Sefer these days. My go-to Sefer is Lekach Das by Rav Osband, Zechitzadik Levracha, who's Rashiva and Tells in Cleveland. And he put out a Sefer, or they put out a Sefer, his children put out a Sefer after his Nifter, small Ha'aris in Chumash that are, each one of them is an unbelievable Yisaid and a gem. So he says... A beautiful pshat, very simple pshat, a one-line pshat. And he says, very simple, he says, you know why Rivka Imena did not go to Avram and Yitzchak to ask this question of what's going on? He says, because she understood by the fact 
that when she passed by, of all places, the yeshiva of Shem Be'ever, that's when the child inside of her started to kick and struggle to get out, that obviously Shem Be'ever had some connection to this child. This child did not kick when he was at the threshold of Avram Avinu's yeshiva. He did not kick when he was at the base marriage of Yitzchak. And if you say, well, who said that they have a base marriage? There's a Gemara that says that Avram Avinu was a zakein v'yeshev yeshiva. Yitzchak was a zakein v'yeshev yeshiva. There is a famous Rambam in Hilchas Avedizara that speaks about the Messiah of the Aves and how they each had a yeshiva and each had a messiah that they gave over to one another. They have their own base medrash. But yet for some reason, when Yaakov passed by, via Rivka, the base medrash of Avram Avinu, silence. The base medrash of Yitzchak, silence. Only when she was a veres, al pischei taira, shame behavior, says Rashi, that's when Yitzchak, that's when Yaakov was mefarches, lotzes. So she saw the handwriting on the wall. She saw that there was something about the base medrash of Shemeever that was very attractive to her child. And she wanted to figure out what it was. And so she went there to ask the Shiloh. Makes sense. Makes sense. I want to find out, you know, what's the allure? What is, why is my child acting in this way? So probably the answer would be able to be best known if I, if I sort of um, follow the, the trail and see where it leads me. He's specifically trying to get out by the Yeshiva of Shem Be'ever. I want to know what's in Yeshiva of Shem Be'ever that's so attractive to my child. So I go there first to try to figure out what is going on. That's Rav Ozban's Mahalach and I love it. Simple, pure, clean, Beautiful. But Hashpadas is Lahachi, if that is the case, now we have to ask ourselves, okay, why didn't Yaakov Avinu kick and scream to get out by Avram Avinu's yeshiva, by Yitzchak Avinu's yeshiva? Why was it that specifically by the yeshiva of Shem Be'ever, that's when Yaakov woke up. That's when Yaakov started fetching to get out. I need to get out here. Let me off. And not by the yeshiva of his father and his grandfather. And I think the answer is very simple. Based on the site of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, not in this week's parasha, but in next week's parasha, he doesn't discuss it vis-a-vis these psukim that we're talking about here, but he does discuss it in parasha Vayetze, where it says, Vayishka Bamakimahu. When Yaakov Avino was leaving his parents' home, his parents encouraged him because Esav wanted to kill him for stealing the brachas from him. His parents encouraged him, get out. Go to Lavan's house. Go to Rivka's brother's house. And, and he did. But on the way to Lavan's house, something happened. What happened? When he got there, he slept. 
what, from here we see that there were 14 years that he made a little bit of a detour on the way to Lavan's house for 14 years, not a day, not a week, not a month, 14 years. He made a detour. Where did he go? He went to learn in the yeshiva of Shem Ve'eber. He wasn't punished for this. Rashi says he was punished for the fact that 22 years by love and he didn't make contact with his father. It was a breach in Kibbut Ave'em on Yaakov's part. He didn't contact Yitzchak and Rivka. For that he was punished. And he was punished in the sense that his own son also did not contact him for many years. But for the 14 years that he went to the Yeshiva Shem Ever, there was no punishment. That didn't count. Why? Because there he went to learn Torah in the Yeshiva of Shem Ever. This is what Rashi tells us in next week's parasha. And Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky has a very big question on this. And he asks like this. He says, why isn't it a breach in Kibbut Ava'im, the fact that he went to learn Taira for 14 years? He says, let's say a person's father asks his son, a father asks a son to go and do me a favor, I'm very hungry, could you go and get me a, uh, get me a sandwich at the local deli? So what should happen is that the boy should go to the local deli and immediately bring back the sandwich to his father who's hungry. Now let's say the boy would go and on the way to the deli, he stops off in the base medish and learns for two hours. That's a beautiful thing. But wouldn't you say that that's a chisarin in Kibbut Avein? Palmatayra is not nidche. Kibbut Avein. Tamataira is not Doicha Kibbut Aveim. If my father tells me to do something, I have to do it right away. There's no tarot, well, sorry, I was learning. There's no tarot, I didn't shake Lulav and Esrug because I was learning. Tamataira is a mitzvah that's nidcha for other mitzvahs because otherwise you would never do anything. You would just sit and learn. Mitzvah Tamataira is 24 7, so baked into the mitzvah of Tamataira is that it's not nidcha for other mitzvahs. Other mitzvahs are Doicha, the mitzvah of Tamataira. That's why we daven. That's why we um, put on tefillin. That's why we shake uh, and esrik. That's why we sit in the sukkah. And during those times, we don't always learn. Because learning is something that takes a backseat to other mitzvahs. So if my father tells me to get him a sandwich, and instead I go to the base manager and learn, you, your Rebbe might think that's great, but that's not kibbut avayim. So how did Yaakov Avinu, who was being mitzvah from his parents, to go right now to Lavan's house, how did he have a hefe for 14 years to go and learn in Yeshiva Shem Be'eva? That's not what his parents told him to do. That's not what his parents told him to do. That should be a breach as well in the midst of Kibbut Avein. And furthermore, he says, what's he going and learning now for? This is not the time to learn. He, had, he is a Yeshev Ayhalem Ishtam he was learning from Avram Avinu. He was learning from Yitzchak for many years. Now all of a sudden, he's on the run, and now he has to learn in the Yeshiva Shem Be'ever. So Rabbi Yaakov says as follows. This is a very, very tremendous Yisait. It's a very famous Yisait from Rabbi Yaakov. It's important that everybody knows this. Rabbi Yaakov says the following. What is... The yeshiva of Shem Be'eber. Everybody speaks about yeshiva Shem Be'eber. It's like every Rashi in these parshas. Somehow, some way, this yeshiva Shem Be'eber, you know, is there. 
What did they teach in the Yeshiva Shema Eber that was unique? Avraham Avinu was the God of Adar. He had a Yeshiva, like I said before. Yitzchak had a Yeshiva. They were G'dayli Yisrael. They were Rosh Yeshivas. What is this Yeshiva Shema Eber that's so attractive to Yaakov? We're going to see that he gave over the Messiah to Yisif about Shema Eber. Something about Shema Eber. He's kicking his... What, what's going on with Shem Eber? What are they teaching in that yeshiva? Sir Yaakov says like this. You know what the significance of yeshiva Shem Eber was over Avram and Yitzchak's yeshiva? In Avram and Yitzchak's yeshiva, they taught standard things that they would teach in yeshiva. They teach Taira, they teach Musr, they teach Halacha, they teach... And remember, the others had the Taira. The others were Mekayim, the whole Taira. So they had plenty to learn. Avram Avinu, they said, had a Mesechah Zavai that had like hundreds of prakim in it. There was plenty of Torah to learn there, believe it or not. They learned Emuna, whatever you would expect Avram Avinu to be teaching, he taught. Whatever you expect Yitzchak to be teaching, he taught. Shema Eva was teaching a different Torah, says Rav Yaakov. Who was Shema Eva? Shem was Shem ben Nayach. He was the son of Nayach. He lived during the times of the Mabel, the Dara Mabel. The, da- the times of the Dara Mabel were terribly decadent times. The Dara Mabel was full of Gezel, Arias, Chamas, you name it, they were doing it. It was the worst of the worst of human history. Aver was a descendant of shame. He was living in the times of the Dara Flaga, also a very, very terrible time. Kfira, Minos, trying to build a tower to fight against Hashem. Terrible times that Shem and Eber lived in. They were people that had real life experience in dealing with challenging surroundings, dealing with people around me that are bad, people around me that are either every Avera in the book, every bad hashkafa, every bad midah, every bad daya, that's what these two individuals, Shema Eber, experienced in their life. And they survived intact. They came out perfect. They were able to be immersed in a world of a mabo, walk off the teva and be a, be a tamad chacham, be a bentaira. They were able to be surrounded by people building towers to fight against the Rabbani Shalom and still emerge unscathed, strong, robust, from spiritual, despite their surroundings that were so, so bad. This was what they taught in the Yeshiva of Shem Be'ever. Shem Be'ever is where they were taught in the Lashon of Rabbi Yaakov, Tairas HaGolos. The Taira that you require in Golos. When you're living in a perfect surroundings, in a utopia, the Yeshiva of Ramavino is perfect, when the Yeshiva of Yitzchak is perfect. But when you live in a time of a Mabal, you need a different type of Taira. Not to replace the Taira of Avram and Yitzchak Hasvashalom. But you need an extra Taira, and that's the Taira of Golos. How do I live in Golos? I don't know. I, I need to have a Messiah for this. Avram and Yitzchak, they didn't really have these problems. 
all of a sudden, I'm being thrust into a gullus. That's a problem. That's when I need to know how to deal with an asav, how to deal with a lovan. How do I deal with people that are going to threaten me spiritually? How do I deal with people that are trying to brainwash me against the Rabbi Nishalim? How do I deal with people that are acting in ways that are opposite to what the Torah wants behavior of humans to be? How do I survive a gullus? There you have to go to the yeshiva of Shem Behavior. That's where they teach you that. That's where you get trained and educated in the Chachma of survival in Gaulus. These were the master teachers of that. Avram could teach you Kalatayrakula, Yitzchak as well. But they were not proficient in teaching somebody how to properly survive Gaulus because they weren't exposed to the Gullus in that way. They didn't live through a Mabel. They didn't live through a Daraflaga. They had their own challenges, no doubt, but not those type. Zotrib Yaakov, this is why, on the way down to Lavan's house, Yaakov made a 14-year pit stop to learn where the Yeshiva Shem Aver. You know why? Because before you go into the house of Lavan, you need to first understand how do I deal with a love and a, 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 a rummy? How do I deal with a, a person who is going to try to trick me, seduce me, entice me, fool me, chicanery? How do I deal with such a person? How am I going to live there? How is a Yaakov Ishtam going to be able to live by Lavan for so many years? For that he needs to be educated. For that he has to stop off in the yeshiva of Shem in order to get properly trained. Zakhtar Yaakov, that's why it wasn't a breach in Kibbut Abayim. He says, instead of the muscle that I gave of my father sending me to the local deli to get him a sandwich, and I stop off to learn on a base matter, you know what would be a better muscle? Let's say my father asked me to go and buy for him Dalad Minim before Sukkot. And I stop off in the base matter to what? to brush up on the halachas of Dalminim. I take a Mishnah Burah and I start sitting down I chazer the, the laws of what to look for in an Esrig, what to look for in a lul of Hadassim Aravis. Would you say that that's a breach in Kibbut Aveim? No. That's part of the mitzvah. That's part of the shlichus. If, Avra, if Yitzchak is sending Yaakov to base Lavan, go in 14 years to shame behavior, to learn how to deal with Laban is a chilek of the mitzvah of Kibbut Avayim. That's part and parcel of the mission. I can't go down there if I'm not protected, if I'm not properly trained and, and, and fortified to survive there. He says further that that's why when Yaakov sends Yosef down to the brothers, more than all of his other sons. because he taught him, because he was Ben Zakunim. He was the child of old age. So Rashi says, the Targumunculus of Ben Zakunim means that he was the smart son. He was the wise son. Yosef. 
Yaakov gave over all the Torah that he got from Shem Ve'ever, he gave over to his son Yosef. Frechter Yaakov, he says, didn't he have other Torah to give over to Yosef? He had to give him Shem Ve'ever's Torah. He didn't have Messiah from Abram, from Yitzchak. Of course he did. He learned there many years. And furthermore, why didn't he teach his other sons the Torah of Shem Ve'ever? Why only Yosef? Says Rabbi Yaakov, very Pashat. Because Yosef was now going down to Mitzrayim. Baruch HaKadosh Yaakov understood he was going to go to Shechem, he was going to speak to his brothers, and something's going to happen. Eventually he's going to go and be brought down to Mitzrayim. He's going to be surrounded by the Tomas Mitzrayim, by the Erevas Haaretz, by everything that's wrong in this world. In Mitzrayim, Memtesh Toma. he needs to be fortified. He needs to be protected. Yaakov Inu gives him over all of the Torah that he got from Shem Ve'ever, Yaakov gives over to Yosef at that critical moment because that was what was necessary. That's the Torah HaGolos that was absolutely mandatory to be taught and to be learned at these moments in life when you're about to enter a base Lavan, when you're about to go down to Mitzrayim. This is when you have to learn the Torah HaGolos from Shem Ve'ever. And based on this, I think it's very pushed how we can answer our question. We asked, why was it that of all the places that Yaakov starts being the Farches Lotzes, he starts trying to get out, not by Avram's yeshiva, not by Yitzchak's yeshiva, but some strange yeshiva, Shem Be'ever, that's when he wakes up. And the belt asks, by the way, everybody asks this question, why was he trying to get out by the Yeshiva Shem Be'ever? He was learning Taira in, in his stomach, in the, in, the, in the mother's stomach. We know the Gemara Nida says that there's a Malach that teaches Kala Taira Kula. There's a Nair inside that stomach. It's a beautiful experience. Why are you running to get out? What's wrong with staying inside? You want to learn Taira? Stay inside the mother's stomach. The answer is, the Malach doesn't teach you Taira's Hagalas. The Malach teaches you Baba Metziah. The Malach teaches you Mishnabura. The Malach teaches you Mitzvah Sisharim. But the Malach is not teaching Tyrus Hagalus. The Malach teaches the same thing that they're teaching in the Yeshiva of Avram and the Yeshiva of Yitzchak. Yaakov Avinu was inside of his mother's stomach with whom? With Esav. You live together with Esav. You need to understand the Tyrus Hagalus. If you're going to be surrounded with an Esau who's trying to kill you, who hates you, wants to destroy you, there you need a Tyrus Hagalus. He needed the Yeshiva Shem Be'ever to be able to give him the instruction manual of survival inside the mother's stomach with Esau there. By Yisraelitzu, there was already a struggle there. And I need to survive down here. Get me out. Teach me something, Shem Be'ever, because I need it now desperately. And when she came to the Yeshiva Shem Be'ever, they Taka gave her everything that she needed to know. Shnei Goyim Bevitnech. You will have two sons. Rashi says, Geyim Ksiv. Two noblemen, two 
aristocrats are really going to stem from these twins in your stomach. Elu Rebbe Antoninus. Rebbe and Antoninus, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, was a very close friend and colleague to Antoninus. Antoninus was a great, a great general, a great king, guy. But they got along very well. They were very close friends. They enjoyed a very special relationship. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin speaks about all the discussions that they had, the philosophical debates that they had, the closest that they had, the experiences that they shared. Sometimes it's going to be a, a wonderful relationship, Yaakov and Esau. But sometimes, but sometimes it's going to be terrible. They're going to split into two separate parts. There's going to be Yaakov and the opposite of Esau. They're going to be at each other's throats. And sometimes you'll know that when one is riding high, the other one will be down. When the other is down, the other one will be riding high. There's two experiences. This is what Tairus Hagolos is. Sometimes you'll have a Tairus Hagolos that you have to deal with a wonderful brother, a wonderful Esau, an Antoninus. Sometimes you're going to have an Esau that's absolutely murderous, anti-Semitic, has nothing else on his mind but your utter destruction. And you're going to have to know how to deal with each situation. And this is something that Yaakovina was taught at Shem Be'ever. He continued learning it. Rashi says, Ishtam Ever. He was dealing with Esav right away from Bar Mitzvah. Esav starts up again. He goes to Shem Be'ever to learn the Tyrus Hagolos. How do I deal with this guy, Esav? And when he survived Lavan's house because of the Tyrus Hagolos, he was able to deal with Lavan appropriately. He was able to learn how to deal with somebody like him, with a Ramai like him. And he was now about to have that famous encounter in Parshas Vayishvach with Esav. He sends to Esav a Malach. And he says, Im Lavan Garti. And Rashi says, With Tarad Mitzvah Shamati, Vilaylamadati, Maisavarayim. I know the Tyrus Hagolos well, thank you very much. Don't think that you're going, to, you're going to be able to fool me or trick me or, or, or seduce me into your way of life. I lived with Lovin for a long time and nothing happened to me. I was protected. I did not, I was able to, like Shame and like Ava, were able to get out of their bad Golos. I was able to also walk away unscathed from Lovin and I could do that with you also. And then he davens the Rabbeinishleilam, Yaakov does. And he asked the Rabbeinu Shleilam, he asked the Rabbeinu Shleilam, Hatzileni na miad achi miad Esav, save me from the hands of my brother, from the hands of Esav. What does that mean? It should say, from Esav my brother, or Esav, we know Esav is. Zotabes halevi, sometimes he's going to be achiv. Sometimes Esav will be the nicest guy in the world. Antoninus. Sometimes he's going to be Esav. He's going to be a real rusher with his fangs showing. And Yaakov Inu asked the Rabbi Shalom, save me from both. I learned the Tyrus Hagalos, now let me implement it. Let me implement what I, was, what I overheard in my mother's stomach, Shame Be'ever, telling my mother, 
Shnei Gaya Bebitnech, that's one paradigm of Golos, Ushnei Lumimimach Yiparedo. These two types of Golos, of Ochev and Esav, save me from both. This is what Yaakovino was able to absorb from the Yeshiva Shem Ve'eber. And this is why, of all places, he needed to go to the Yeshiva Shem Ve'eber in the mother's stomach to hear the Teres HaGalus. Today is the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht. November 9th and 10th, 1938, was a day that the world changed, the world shifted in a very dramatic way. And it was a wake-up call. Hundreds of shuls were burned down. Sifrei Taira burned. Svarim destroyed. People killed. Store windows, houses, smashed the smithereens. Everything changed on that day. And that was, of course, the the precursor of the Holocaust. That's when we understood that something was happening that was going to be not normal in the history of the scholars. And it's an important day to mark. This is, like Rabbi Wine said yesterday, it's very important to understand our history. If you just think that it starts with you from the day that you were born and we go forward from there and we don't think about the past, then we don't understand so much about life. We don't understand so much about Gullus. We have to be aware of what's going on in our own world through studying history and through living with history and understanding history. There's different types of yeshivas. There's the yeshiva of Avram and Yitzchak, and those yeshivas, those yeshivas carried out through the Messiah, Yaakov gave over to Levi, gave over to Klal Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu. We had yeshivas in Sura, Pompadisa, Volozhin, Radin, Slabotka. Those are yeshivas that we have a Messiah from, of Avram and Yitzchak. They learn the classical Mesechtas, and they learn Musar, they learn Hashkafa, they learn Halacha, they learn Machshava, that's the classical form of yeshivas that Baruch Hashem we're used to, Baruch Hashem we live in, we learn in, we love. But throughout Golos there's another type of yeshiva and that's the yeshiva of Shem Ve'eder. Let me give you some examples of how the yeshiva of Avram and Yitzchak sometimes morphs into, by force, the yeshiva of Shem Ve'eber. Rebbe Chanan Vassarman Hashem Yinkam Damav was the great Rosh Yeshiva of Baranovich. There's not a single yeshiva in the world that doesn't learn constantly the Torah of Rebbe Chanan. 
Rebbe Hanan's Torah is so beautiful, so understandable, so clear. He put out Svarim based on the Shirim that he gave, the Talmidim, but he added, he, he edited it, the Kaivetz Shirim. He wrote the Kaivetz Ha'aris. He wrote the Kaivetz Ma'amarim. These are all the, the Torah of Rebbe Hanan as he was Rosh Yeshiva, in the yeshivas, in the, in the mold of Avraham and Yitzchak. He came to America before the outbreak of the Holocaust. He was here fundraising. And the war was starting to break out. They understood what was going on in Europe. They understood that now is not a time to be going back to Europe because it was an inferno there, or it was about to become an inferno. And all the G'dayli Yisrael in America told the Rukhanan, do not go back. They offered him positions in, as Rosh Hashiva in Tervadas. They offered him a very nice salary. They offered to try to get his Talmidim here, but don't go back. And Rukhanan famously said that a captain does not leave his ship when the ship is going down. The captain stays with the ship. I must go back to my yeshiva in Baranovitz. I must be with my Talmidim at this moment in history. I can't abandon them right now. The heroic nature of Rebbe Hanan. He became a Rosh Yeshiva of a new type of yeshiva. Not Baranovitch, but Yeshiva Shem Be'ever. He taught us how to be in a yeshiva of a new type. A yeshiva surrounded by Nazis that were trying to utterly destroy every man, woman, and child. He came back to Europe, and they were looking for him, the Nazis. And he was in hiding in a house, together with Balabatim and together with Talmidem. And when he was caught by the Nazis... He was learning and he was teaching the halachas. He was giving a shir in the halachas of Kiddush Hashem. Had to be Mekadeh Shem Shemayim at times like this. This was the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. It's a different type of yeshiva. It's the Tyrus HaGolos. When he was taken to the famous seventh fort in Kovna, where so many people were shechted al Kiddush Hashem, he asked the Nazis, to please, before he, he dies, he would like to say one last talk to his community, to his Talmidim that were there. And he said the following, and I'm not quoting him exactly, but if you want to see the exact quote, look in the Hatoma to the Kaivetz Shirim, the first Chelek. Somebody was there that survived of Ephraim Ashri, who wrote a Tshuva Sefami, said of Swami Mamakim, he was a Paisik. Throughout these years in the Holocaust, he wrote the most, he was asked the craziest, most tragic shilas in human history, and he answered them without svarim to the best of his ability, and they were published in a multi-volume set of tshubas called Nimamakim, from the depths. He happened to be there when Rebbe was giving this talk, and he escaped, and he wrote this down for posterity so that we should understand what Rebbe was, what type of Rosh Hashiva he was, and the message that's so relevant to us here in America. From that talk of Rebbe he said as follows, he says, we are about to die al Kiddush Hashem, we are about to be shechted as karbonis Hashem, 
be very careful now not to have any bad hearer come into your mind. Pure thoughts now should enter your mind. It should not be mefagel the carbon. Pigo is a terminology in Kachim, how you should not think, the Kayin who's shechting a carbon should not think of bringing it shaloi v'mekaymer shaloi v'zmanai. Only pure, proper thoughts right now so that we don't passle the carbon. You know what should, we should think, says Rebbe Chanan? <coughs> that when we're dying on Kiddush Hashem, it should enable our brothers and sisters in America, that's us, that's me and you, to be able to live al Kiddush Hashem. Live nice. You destroyed the base of Mikdash with fire, you're going to rebuild it with fire. We're dying here by fire, and the Jews in America will rebuild with fire. And with that, he was killed. This is the Teres Hagdolus that he was giving us. Rav Gusman, he was a brilliant young Talmud Chacham before the war. He was the youngest Dayan in Rav Chaim Eiser's Bestin in Vilna. Now, to be a, to be a, a, a Shamus in Vilna, you'd have to be a Bucky in Shas. They say about Rabbi Kivager, Rabbi Kivager was offered to be a, a Rav in Vilna after a certain Gadol died, Rabbi Abla Peslover died. They offered this position to Rabbi Kivager. Rabbi Kivager, in his great modesty, said, he says, I can't be a Rav in Vilna. He says, Halavai that I should be Zaycha to be a Shamus in Vilna. So I don't know enough tired to be a Rav in Vilna. I don't think I know enough tired to be a Shamus, to be the guy that cleans the tables in the base Madrash. In Vilna. That's how great the people of Vilna were. Reb Chaim Eiser was the Rav, the Gadla Adar, the Maranchal Kalbane Adaila, and he appointed this young 20, 21 year old Bacher by the name of Reb Gusman to be a Dayan with him in Vilna. Amazing. You can imagine what a genius this person was, this Reb Gusman. And then he went through the war. He went through the worst tragedies in the war. I'll tell you a story backwards. He ended up founding a yeshiva in Yerushalayim in Rechavia called Netzach Yisrael. And he was Rashiva there. And when the yeshiva first started, he got... He didn't have a cook in yeshiva, so he did like we do. We don't have a cook upstairs, so we, we bring in from, from a lo- local eateries. So he had, there was like a nursing home not far from his yeshiva, and he basically made a deal with the nursing home that if they can you know, send over everyday food for the bathroom. The problem was that this food was not under the super stringent that a lot of people, a lot of the Haredim in Yerushalayim were Makbidon, it was under the Rabbanupa for Rabbi Gusman, you know, you could be but he felt it was fine. It's fine, he looked into it, he felt it was fine. But that wasn't good enough for some, you know, young um, Kanoim in Yerushalayim, and they paid Rabbi Gusman a visit, and they said, listen, um, you know, it's not a good thing, trust us, it's not, you don't want to do this. 
You don't want to start taking in food from this and this. Kashras is not, not what we do. And uh, if you start taking from the better Heksher, from the Badat or whatever it was, he says, it'll be very good for you. We'll spare you a lot of busyness. We're not going to publicly humiliate you. And also we'll give you COVID because we'll put you on the Vada, vada Rabbonim and, and Vada Kashras. We'll, we'll, give, we'll make it worth your while. Rav Gusman looks at them and he says, Kinderloch, let me tell you a thing or two. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me teach you something here. He says, you're offering me covet and you're offering me the opposite, Bizyanus. He says, you will never be able to offer me covet and you will never be able to offer me Bizyanus. Covet when I was 21 years old, I came late to a certain convention, to a certain big, uh, big conference. I came into the room late. Reb Chaim Eiser was sitting on the dais, and when he saw me come in, I'm a member of his best, and he got up. And when he got up, the Gedalim that were sitting there, I believe the Chavetz Chaim was there as well, he got up. And when the Chavetz Chaim got up, the entire Tzibur got up. The entire convention stood up in my honor. He says, I never need covet again in my life. You will never be able to match that covet. I'm immune from covet. I got all the covet that I needed that one day. I'm done with covet. Don't think you can give me a certain, you know, put my name on, 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 on your stationery and that's going to give me covet. I don't need your covet. Bizyanus you're going to give me? I'm immune from your bizyanus as well. He said, I had one son in my life. He was the apple of my eye and his name was Meirka. When Meir was just four years old, the Nazis found my hiding spot. I grabbed Meir and held him in my arms to protect him. However, the cruel and sadistic Nazis, Yemachshimam, beat the child while in my arms until his blood flowed like water all over my body. When the Nazis were convinced that he was dead, they pushed me into a pile of manure with my dead son. I buried him with my own hands and removed his shoes, cleaned off the blood, and traded his little shoes for food for my wife and surviving daughter. Do you know what it is to barter your dead son's shoes for food? Kindelach. Do you know what humiliation it is to be thrown into a dung heap with your murdered son? I have experienced more covet than you can ever give me, and I have suffered more humiliation than you can ever heap on me. So I will continue to take food from the local facility with a local hechsher, and you will do what you will do. And now please excuse me, said Rav Gusman. Because for five years during the war, I never saw a safer. So I have still a lot of learning to make up for. And Rav Gusman turned and went back to Ishtender and to the only world he knew, the one of Tyrus Emes, the one of Tyra and of truth. This is Rav Gusman changing from a Rosh Yeshiva of Avram and Yitzchak's Yeshiva to yeshiva of Shem Be'ever, to yeshiva where we have to learn the Tairus Hagalus. 
And it's not just the Rosh Yeshivas that taught us the Teres HaGalus. It's every single survivor. If you have grandparents, if you have a great uncle, if there's an old man in your shul that's a survivor, you should know that these people are amazing role models. And they are the Yeshiva Shemeiver today. They teach us the Teres HaGalus. In fact, the Satmar Rebbe once told his Hasidim that if you ever want a bracha, and I'm not around, go into any shtibel, and if you see an old man with a tattoo on his arm putting on tefillin, he's a person from whom you can get brachas. Because they teach us the Tyrus Hagalus. They teach us how it's possible to be surrounded by Esavs and by Lovans and to be able to survive with Amuna intact. There's a story talking about tattoos. There was a Balchuva who before he was from, he had tattoos put on his body. And he went to the mikvah on an Arab Rosh Hashanah, Arab Yom Kippur, as the Minig Yisrael, surrounded by many other people going to the mikvah, but he was embarrassed because he had these tattoos on his body. He didn't want people to see the things that were written on his body. And so he was going to the mikvah and he was like sort of covering them up and doing a bad job at that. And there was a survivor that was also going into the mikvah and he noticed exactly what was going on. He goes over to him and he says, listen, he says, you have a tattoo and I have a tattoo. He shows his arm. Don't be humiliated by it. It's a sign and a badge of courage and honor. My tattoo is a sign that I was able to go through the Shiva Madura Gehenim and still have my Amuna intact. And your tattoo is a sign that you went through your Gullus. You went through all that you went through and still you're able to come here and to be titled in a mikvah Arab Yom Kippur. Wear it as a sign of pride. Show it off. This is your tattoo. This is your sign. And badge of courage. I once heard from a child of a survivor how different his childhood was because his parents both went through the concentration camps and they had nightmares and in the middle of the night they would scream and wake him up and he was so scared. And in the summer he looked forward to getting away from home a little bit and to going off to sleepaway camp where for two months he'd be able to be around American people that didn't have the clouds of Nazi Germany hanging over them, just singing, just dancing, just kumzitz, just baseball. It was the day that they were supposed to go. The buses were coming to the bus stop and he had his camp trunk and his duffel bags and they stripped it onto the bus. And all the other kids' parents who were Americans, they were kissing their kids goodbye, benching them, saying, saying goodbye with a big smile. 
And his father was standing by the bus stop. And tears were rolling down his cheeks because he was getting all of these flashbacks to scenes of separation of parents and children by train stations and by Dr. Mengele in Auschwitz who separated parents from children, husbands from wives, life from death. And he gets on the bus and all the other kids' parents are waving happy and his father's terrified. And the bus starts pulling off and he sees his father chasing after the bus not able to part from his son. This is the Tyre Sagalos. This is the unique Tyre of Shem Be'ever. That unfortunately our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents had to learn the hard way. When I was a child in elementary school, I went to the Hebrew Academy of Long Beach. And the principal was Rabbi Friedman, Rabbi Herschel Friedman, who was a tremendous educator. He built up Halb from, a, from scratch. Today, Halb is, you know, huge yeshiva and, and moved to the five towns and DRS and SKA, and it's a big malucha. But it was all started by Rabbi Friedman and a group of Talabatim in Long Beach. My father was very instrumental. He was president for... Um, four or five years, and he saved it from financial uh, bankruptcy, which threatened it at the time. And my father and Rabbi Friedman were, were best friends, the best of friends. Rabbi Friedman, my father lived through the Holocaust with Baruch Hashem. He never went through the camps. He was able to escape from Germany to Denmark, Denmark to Sweden, Sweden back to Denmark, and then came to America after the war and learned in Israel. But Rabbi Friedman, he went through Auschwitz. In fact, he had a scar on his forehead from a bullet that grazed him as he stuck his head outside of a cattle car. Every Seder night, Rabbi Friedman wore, as he led the Seder, the cap, the striped cap from Auschwitz that he wore as a child. And what made the most profound impression on me was that every day, Kimat, by lunchtime in the cafeteria in Halb, Rabbi Friedman came in and he went to the garbage can and he started picking out of the garbage the brown lunch bags, the brown paper bags that people had lunch in and we had our names on it and he would call people out, Bamberger, he threw out half a bagel Take it back and eat it. So, Friedman, I don't like cream cheese so much. You don't like cream cheese? Do you know what we would do in Auschwitz for a bagel with cream cheese? Eat it! And this is what he would do every day. He would take people's garbage out of the, out of the garbage and give it back to them and say, eat it in a loving way. 
This is the Tyrus Hagalos. This is not Yeshiva Shem Me'ever. This is not the Yeshiva Abraham and Yitzchak. You know, many survivors did not have the opportunities to learn in a regular Yeshiva. Sometimes we look at our grandparents or great uncles or people that went through the war and they're not able to learn so much. And we say, ah, you know, he's not a Talmud Chacham. If they're not Talmud Chacham, it's not because they didn't try hard enough. It's not because they didn't exert themselves enough in the base medrash. They didn't listen to Shir. They didn't check up the Marimachimahs. They didn't have the opportunities that you and I have to sit in a base medrash like this. They were in the base medrash of Auschwitz and Treblinka and Dachau and Bergen-Belsen. That's where they went to yeshiva. The yeshiva of Shemaver there. It was a very powerful experience there. It was a different yeshiva, but it was a yeshiva. They learned there a Torah that hopefully we will never have to learn, and that's the Torah Sagalos. It's a different yeshiva, but it's a yeshiva you have to stand up for survivors, the few that are left. You don't understand the godless that they have, the emuna that they radiate, the Torah that they teach us just by example. And on the 80th yard site of, of Kristallnacht, which is today and tomorrow, November 9th and November 10th, is when this pogrom of the Third Reich took place. It's a time to reflect on how fortunate we have it to be learning in Yeshiva of Ram and Yitzchak and to admire and honor and dedicate our lives that they dedicated to us to be mechazik in our Torah and our Avaidah and being mechadish shem shamayim in our life just like they were mechadish shem shamayim in their death. Two different yeshivas, Shiva Ram Yitzchak versus Yeshiva Shem Be'ever, but both equally important for us as we are on the journey of Golas, which will hopefully end the Mirza Hashem very soon with the advent of the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu, Bimheira Amen Amen.